Good morning and welcome to Water and Stone. My name is Dieter Randolph and if you've been following this series of lessons, you know that we are working our way through the Bible. Now obviously there's a lot that we won't cover, but I've picked out a number of stories that I think are really going to help you to understand how to read this book, how to find some meaning in it, and how to find some meaning in your life and change things as a result. By the end of this series, you're going to know how to read our primary textbook in a whole new way. And I promise it's going to change things for you to the degree that you let it, hmm, just like everything. Now, this is the third of the series. Uh, you don't have to go back and watch the other two, but you ought to, and, and I think you're going to want to. But today, we're going to be talking about Joseph, the Technicolor Dreamcoat guy. We're going to be talking about authenticity. We're going to be talking about taking people at their word, meaning what you say, and what it means to work with God to find success. Lots of good stuff today, but let's begin with our opening prayer. God is and I am. I stand on holy ground. Right here and right now, there is truth. Right here and right now, there is freedom. Right here and right now, there is life. This is who I am. I am ready. From now on, I speak the truth. From now on, I choose freedom. From now on, this is my life. The unstoppable love of God prepares the way. I am ready. And so it is. Amen. So let's get right into it. If you have been following along, you know on the website it says what scripture that we're going to be using and all of that. But this is Genesis chapter 37 and then 39 through 45. There's a sort of a subplot in chapter 38 of Genesis that doesn't really affect what I want to talk about today. So right now you can skip that. It's 37 and then 39 through 45. And as I said a minute ago, this is a story about being open to what comes into your life, to whatever you experience. And this is a story about being authentic, about being really you. And there, that two-fold process is something that works for Joseph in amazing and surprising and wonderful ways, and it can work for you too. In other words, I'm gonna really be me, and I'm gonna trust that the world around me is telling me what I need to know. So I'm gonna show up for it. And showing up for it is really, really important. And so with that in mind, let's meet our hero, Joseph. Now, Joseph is the, one of the sons of Jacob. You've heard of Jacob, the latter guy. We don't have time to talk about him, but we do talk about him a lot in other ways. Jacob ends up having 12 sons in this story. But Joseph and his brother Benjamin are the two favorites. And they're favorites for a number of reasons that we don't really get to hear a whole lot about. But we know that they are the two sons that Jacob has with, with Rachel. All the other sons are with a different wife. They have a different mom. And of the two, Joseph and Benjamin, Joseph is the favorite favorite. And we know this because Jacob gives him this coat. It's a coat of many colors, like the Dolly Parton song. It's a technicolor dream coat of all kinds of things. So, so Jacob gives him this special thing. Now, the coat and the favoritism is part of the problem. And even more... Part of the problem is that Joseph doesn't see a problem. What we're going to learn is no matter where Joseph goes, he is authentically Joseph. He just keeps on being Joseph. 
And there are really good things about that because there's no guile there. There's no secret agenda. There's no nothing. There's no lie in Joseph. And if you stand up for the truth, it might be that other people can't handle the truth and want to do things about it to hide that, to, to skirt around the issue. But at the end of the day, truth will out. And that's what we learn in the Joseph story. So Joseph is the favorite son. He's got the coat, the whole thing. And Joseph, because he is authentically Joseph, because he takes the world on its own terms as well, he's open and receptive. Remember when we talked about how Noah was open and receptive because he walked with God? Same kind of thing here. So what we're going to see is Joseph is open and receptive to messages. And especially for Joseph, those messages come in dreams. There's the dream coat of the Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat thing. Joseph has two dreams. And he rushes to tell his family about these dreams. It's really interesting. And we're going to touch on why this is interesting in a moment. But pay attention for right now to the fact that he has two dreams that are basically the same dream with some different, uh, different imagery in there. It's really important that this message is repeated. And we're going to find out why when we talk about Pharaoh in just a moment. But so Joseph has these dreams and he, he gathers around his family. And remember, here's Joseph and his 11 brothers who aren't really crazy about him because he's got the coat. He's the favorite. And he says, guys, you wouldn't believe it. I had this dream that we all had these sheaves of wheat, grain, you know, and all of yours bowed down to mine. Huh, I don't know what that means. I think everybody had an idea of what it means and nobody was crazy about it. And then with the whole family around, he says, everybody, I had this dream that, that 11 stars and the sun and the moon all bowed down to me. Well, you can imagine the 11 stars are the brothers and the sun and the moon are, are the parents, you know, mom and dad. And it even says in the Bible, J uh, Jacob says, uh, you think we should worship you now? And everybody kind of laughed about it. But the Bible says, but Jacob remembered that. Kind of put it in his pocket for later. And that's going to be important too. Now, it doesn't take Carl Jung to uh, interpret what these dreams mean. Joseph has this calling, this message, this idea that at some point he's going to be in charge. It doesn't take a, a, a great thinker to interpret those dreams, but it might take a great, great thinker to imagine why in the world Joseph would tell anybody. This is a real problem if he just kept his trap shut, right? How many times in your own life have you thought, you know, if I just hadn't have told my truth, I would have gotten to stay in that old situation. If I just wouldn't have followed through with my authenticity, I would have been able to stay back where I was, where it was comfortable, mm. or it was boring. A situation that you were going to outgrow one way or the other. As it turns out, just like I said a minute ago, the truth will out. Sooner or later, you're going to have to face the reality of the situation, right? And the beautiful thing about Joseph is that there is no barrier between that. Like I said, wherever he goes, Joseph just keeps on being Joseph. And that's the key message. He is authentic. He has humility. Believe it or not, we're going to see that. He operates with grace and love and care and all of that. He's not a jerk about it. 
but he's true to himself. And he recognizes that the best part of himself doesn't come from him, it comes from God. He's connected to something bigger, just like how Noah walked with God, like I said. So he's honest on, on a deep level. But like I said, that honesty uh, can be challenging to people who are not operating on that same level. Maybe you've experienced this in your life on one side or other of the equation, right? Joseph's brothers decide, you know what, we're going to have to get rid of this guy. And at first, they decide they're going to kill him. But then they say, you know what, we could make money and get rid of this guy and not have his blood on our hands. So, you know, it's a win, win, win. Um, Let's sell him. Let's sell Joseph into slavery. And so that's exactly what they do. They sell him into slavery and they, they fake his death. They take the rainbow coat and they put some goat's blood on it and they tell dad that, that he was eaten by a wild animal or something. And so he's out of the picture. And we'll get back to the brothers in a minute. Our focus really at this point in the story is on Joseph. Joseph gets sold into slavery to the Egyptians. And he ends up uh, being put to work for the captain of the Pharaoh's bodyguard, a guy named Potiphar. Now, in no way is being a slave good now than any other time, right? But because Joseph has no barrier between himself and the truth, because Joseph will not hold back when he has a good idea, when he has inspiration, he will not shut up about it, as we've learned something amazing happens. Joseph is successful. Uh, we read in the Bible, the Lord was with Joseph. It says it over and over again. Joseph was successful. He was good at what he did. Any job you gave him, he would be successful at it, get it done ahead of time and all that, because the Lord was with Joseph. And that's a companion piece to Noah walked with God. This is like the next level of that. Not only does Joseph uh, listen, but he lives. He lives it. There is no barrier in him between what he feels and what he does. Joseph listens. And as a companion piece to that, Joseph takes people at their word. That's the other part. That's the next level. Joseph listens and he takes people at their word. He is what he says. And he trusts that you are what you say. That's the next level. Ask yourself, can you do that? I think a lot of times there's a lot of emphasis placed on, I am authentic, I do what I say I'm going to do, and that's beautiful. But can you go to the next level and also assume that people are telling you their truth? Not just with their words, because sometimes people do funny things with their words, but with, with who they are. Can you really look to figure out who somebody is? Can you take them for what they're showing you? Can you take people at their word? It's a good way to grow. It's a good way to avoid codependency. And it's a good way, as we find out in the story, to find success. Joseph is good at everything he does. And Potiphar, the captain of the Pharaoh's bodyguard, sees that he's good at everything. So much so that Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. He's in charge of the whole household. He's like the second in command. And Potiphar doesn't even have to think about or do anything. And everything just gets handled. Potiphar is a success to the degree that he puts Joseph in charge. And this is interesting. There's a very, very simple message here for you and for me. If you want to be successful, put 
Joseph in charge. In other words, find that part of you that can just listen, that has no agenda. Mm, that's tricky because we're taught to have big plans and aspirations, and it's wonderful to have goals and dreams and set your New Year's resolutions and, and all of that. But on another level, let's get to the place where we don't think, what's this going to turn out for me? How is this going to work to my benefit? Because this is a situation. Uh, Joseph is betrayed by his own family, and he's a slave now. He's not in a position to think about how is this going to work for my benefit. This is a very, very simple equation of how can I do what God put me here to do? Because if God is God, then he put me here to do something. There is a part of you that is like that. There is a part of you that is innocent and without agenda, that is authentic, that just listens and lives. There's a part of you in there somewhere. Maybe it's buried deep because of whatever you've been through. I get it, but it's there. And I promise you, Success is less about goals and agendas and learning the tricks of the trade or whatever. Success is a lot more about being who God made you to be. If you want to be successful, put Joseph, the Joseph in you, in charge. So Joseph is running Potiphar's household and everything is going really, really well. But there's a problem because Joseph is great. Joseph happens to also be great looking. <laughs> and Potiphar's wife uh, takes a liking to him. And there's a lot of biblical uh, come up and see me sometime going on there. And Joseph's not interested because he is authentic. And he says, look, I was put here in this situation to do my best. And I'm not going to lie, cheat, and steal. I'm not going to go behind anybody's back. I don't, I don't do that. That's not my thing. And as it turns out, and you'll read your, your Bible to get the details of the story, but Joseph is trying to get away from Potiphar's wife, and she grabs his, his outer garment. There's a lot of coat stuff in this story. She grabs his coat, and he runs away. But she goes, hey, hey, Potiphar, hey, hubby, look, I got this guy's coat. He was in here trying to, trying to lovey-dovey me, and we got to you know, get rid of this guy because she's mad and she's jealous and all of that stuff. And so Joseph ends up getting kicked out and being put in jail. Now take a minute with me and think about how this looks from the outside. Here's a guy who the right people don't like, no matter how good and successful he is. He gets betrayed and he gets uh, framed and he gets put in jail and sold into slavery. And all of this stuff doesn't look good. Think about your story. Where have you been? There are some things by, about your story that from the outside don't look so good. But just like how Joseph's story isn't over yet, neither is yours. And the way that Joseph gets out of it is not to change gears, but to keep being authentically Joseph with grace, with compassion, with humility, but with authenticity. This is what's important. And so here's Joseph in jail, and you can imagine exactly what happens because wherever he goes, Joseph just keeps on being Joseph. Joseph continues to be good at what he does. Any job that he gets given in jail, he does, and he does well, and he does faithfully because he is just pure faith. And as a result, just like before with Potiphar, Joseph is put in charge of everything in the jail. And everything that Joseph does is successful. And in fact, the, uh, the, the jail keeper doesn't have to think about anything. 
And to the degree, here's the lesson, right? To the degree that he puts Joseph in charge of things, those things are successful. So one more time, the message for you right now is if you want to be successful, put Joseph in charge. The Joseph of your heart and your mind and your calling. This is the message here. So Joseph is basically running the show. Wherever he goes, he ends up being successful. Even though he's in jail, he's not here to judge that. Isn't that cool? That's the trick. Wherever you are, can you be the kind of person who's so in touch with your calling that you're not going to judge where you are? It doesn't matter. God put me here, and I am part of that relationship. I'm listening to God, and I'm doing my best. And if you can have that attitude, instead of hating your job and hating your situation and hating the whatever it is, things will begin to change and move around you. So here's Joseph running the jail. And as it turns out, the Pharaoh's um, wine steward and uh, his cupbearer and uh, his baker, cupbearer and the baker, end up getting thrown in jail because they messed up. They offended the Pharaoh. Who knows? They use the wrong soup spoon or whatever. It's not clear. But they offend Pharaoh, and they both get put in jail. And both the cupbearer and the baker have these weird dreams. Here we are with the dreams again. And they don't know what the dreams mean. But Joseph is able to interpret the dreams. And Joseph says to the, uh, the cupbearer, well, your dream, and we don't need to get into it for the sake of time, but he says, your dream means it's going to be fine. You're going to be back on top. It's okay. You'll get your job back. Don't even worry about it. And he says to the baker, your dream means you're in trouble. And before too long, the cupbearer is given his walking papers, and the baker is put into the gallows. Happens. And the uh, cupbearer says, oh, how can I thank you? And Joseph says, just remember me. Just remember to tell Pharaoh that I was here, that I do this stuff, that, you know, remember to like and subscribe and share is what, the, what, what Joseph says in one way or another. And uh, the cupbearer almost immediately forgets about Joseph until the time is right. What we're going to learn in a minute is if the cupbearer had immediately told people about how cool Joseph was, it wouldn't have mattered. But because the cupbearer didn't remember until the time was right, it sets the stage for what happens next. And the message here for you and me is, yes, you might have an idea about the order in which things need to happen, but if you're a Joseph person, if you put Joseph in charge, it needs to be okay with you that it doesn't happen according to your time schedule. Remember back when we talked about the first chapter of Genesis, how the idea of a day doesn't mean 24 hours, it means as long as it takes? Well, this is what that kind of biblical thinking looks like when lived. It takes what it takes. And if you can let go of that, you will be successful. So here's Joseph in jail, cupbearers back working for Pharaoh. Some time goes by. We don't know how long. And then Pharaoh has these two dreams. Remember we talked about how that repetition is important. Pharaoh has these two dreams. And nobody can interpret the dreams. Nobody knows what they mean. And Pharaoh hires, uh, you know, he brings in his magicians and his soothsayers and his, you know, everybody that can read palms or drink kratom or do whatever they need to do to make these things happen. And no one can figure out what these dreams mean. 
And the Pharaoh goes, I know this is important. I get it. There's something important going on here. I've got to figure this out. I'll do anything. And the cupbearer has his V8 moment, which was probably what was in the cup. And he says, I was in jail with this guy. And me and the baker, you know, the guy that's, that you hung, the, me and the baker, we both had dreams and Joseph interpreted the dreams and he was right. Maybe you ought to call him. I have his business card somewhere. The time was right. And the cupbearer remembered. And so Pharaoh goes and gets Joseph. And you know how the story goes at this point. The Pharaoh says, I've got this, I, this dream about there were seven healthy cows. And then I saw seven really sick and, and skinny cows. And the sick and skinny cows ate the healthy cows. This is not a, a PETA-endorsed uh, story. What does that mean? And then the Pharaoh says, and then I had another dream about uh, seven healthy uh, stalks of wheat and all that. And then the sickly ones ate the healthy ones. I don't even know how that works, but it's the same story, but, but in a different way. The severed, seven withered ears ate the seven healthy ones. Now, what does that mean? This is an important part of the story because we learn a little bit about Joseph in this moment. Because think about it. Here's Joseph who already knows that this dream is something that he can interpret. He's got this. He's already out of jail. He's got an opportunity to do the big thing. If it were you or me, maybe we would take this opportunity to really, you know, uh, spruce up the resume to really say, you know, look, here's how awesome I am. And here's why I ought to be working for you. And here's how good the power of me is. You know, this would be a tempting moment to do that. And if you've been reading a lot of self-help books, it might be tempting to, to really, uh, really do that. But here's the, here's the quote. It's from uh, Genesis 41, 16. Joseph says, because the Pharaoh says, I'm sure you can give an interpretation for this. And Joseph says, the interpretation is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Doesn't this sound familiar? If we read ahead a little bit in the parts where Jesus says, it's not I, but the Father who does the work. So Joseph is authentically Joseph. But that authenticity also means that he knows that anything good was given to him by God. And he says to Pharaoh, it's really important that you had this dream twice. He says in Genesis 41, uh, 32, the fact that it happened twice means the matter was determined by God and God will quickly bring it about. This is a really important lesson. When you think about how much repetition there is in the story, Joseph has two dreams at the beginning. The story of Joseph in slavery versus Joseph in jail, they're very similar, right? There's a cycle, there's a repetition. The fact that, that Pharaoh has the same dream twice, this means something. And you know what it means? It means don't worry about it. It's true. It means don't worry about it. A long, long time ago, I was in college. Uh, I was in a, a Jewish studies course in the religious studies department at the University of South Florida. And I had an amazing teacher, Jacob Neusner, an incredible teacher. And he's written probably more books about Judaism and the scriptures of Judaism than anybody else. You go to the library and you look in the Jewish studies section or whatever, Jacob Neusner's name is on at least half the books there. 
incredibly prolific author, brilliant mind, and difficult teacher. People left that class crying sometimes, and it was hard. But one of the rules that Dr. Neusner had was, no one is allowed to take notes in my class. I want your eyes. I want to see you. I want us to talk. I don't want you looking down at your paper. Everything goes off of your desk underneath. That's the way it goes. No notes. And I remember when he said that, uh, one of the students said, well, what if I have an idea and I want to write something down? And he goes, well, you're still going to be you. And those thought processes will come back again when you need them. But right now, I need you. And that was difficult. But I'll tell you, not only did I learn a lot in that class, but I learned how to learn a little bit, if you know what I mean. And I think that that same message applies here. It will come back to you when you need it to come back to you. So often we spend so much time trying to get God to show up, trying to get a message in a way that is palatable to our current ego comfort zone stuff, right? But the truth is, if it is a divine message, if God has brought it about, like Joseph says, it's going to get repeated again and again and again until you hear it. So your job is not to make it happen. Your job is to get good at hearing. Your job is to figure out how to be authentically you. And there's a pattern here that, that's really, really important. If you want your message, if you want to move forward in life, there's something really vital that happens. It's three things, just like Pharaoh does. See your dreams as important. The idea that, that, that you're getting some kind of a message. Find someone, Joseph in the story, who could interpret them. Find a way, read a book, think it through. Go to classes, meditate and pray, do those things. See your dreams is important. Find a means for interpretation. And then here's the part that often gets left off. Heed the interpretation. Do something about it, even if it's hard, and maybe especially if it's hard. And in the case of the story, you probably know, you've read a little bit about this. You went to Sunday school. Joseph says the story about the seven good and the seven bad that you had in two different dreams means that you're going to have seven great years of crop and everything's going to be successful. And then you're going to have seven really, really bad years. And if you're smart, Pharaoh, probably didn't say it like that, but if you're smart, Pharaoh, you're going to save up so that the extra you had in the good years will carry you through the bad years. Now, Pharaoh is smart enough to do that. And as we learn, it saves not just Pharaoh and his family, but the whole nation of Egypt. And so many, I mean, countless lives are saved because of that moment of interpreting that dream. Because of Joseph being in that place through all of the crazy ways he got there. Slavery and betrayal and jail and everything else. He was exactly where he needed to be to interpret that dream and save countless lives. Interesting. And not just save lives, but remember, Joseph is now really, really important to Pharaoh, right? Again, Joseph gets, gets made the uh, number two guy. He's put in charge of everything. And to the degree that Joseph is put in charge, Pharaoh is successful. Pharaoh gives him a new name. We'll keep calling him Joseph in the, for right now just because it's easier to remember. But Pharaoh gives him a new name, which is always symbolic of a new start. You know, think about how Jacob gets called Israel, how Saul gets called Paul. There's this thing that happens when you change your name, when you get a new sense of identity. So, so Joseph is given a new name, and Joseph gets married, and he has a couple of kids. And this is really, really interesting. His two sons are named Manasseh and Ephraim. 
Manasseh means making to forget. And Ephraim means fruitfulness. Making to forget and fruitfulness. Well, as it turns out, that is the recipe for forgiveness. Forget. God puts you where you need to be. Do you need to carry a grudge in that new place? Or are you done with it? And fruitfulness. In other words, go on with it. Do the thing that you've been put there to do. Be good at it. Have fun. Find ways to reproduce in your life that which is in your heart, right? Those two things, forgetfulness and fruitfulness, are the recipe for forgiveness. And forgiveness is what Joseph needs for the next phase in his story. Because at this point, we have been through those seven good years, and things are starting to look rough. And so the scene changes back to the ranch with Jacob and the other 11 kids. And Jacob says, I hear they've got, a, they've got good crops still in Egypt. Why don't you guys go buy some stuff? We need food. And so Jacob sends not 11, but 10 of the brothers. He keeps Benjamin back because he's the new favorite. When will this guy learn? Anyway, he sends the 10 brothers and they go to buy grain. And who's in charge of selling the, the, the crops? Joseph. Now, the brothers don't recognize him because it's been a long time and it helps the story along. They don't recognize their own brother. Maybe they don't want to. What we learn is they're not ready to. This is important. But Joseph recognizes his brothers and he says, who are you really? And they say, we're just here to buy food. We're starving. You know, you've got food. We got money. Let's work something out. And Joseph says, I think you're spies. How can you prove that you are who you say you are? Now, Joseph really knows, but this is all part of the, you'll see why he does it in a minute. And they say, no, really, we used to be 12 brothers, but one of our brothers is dead and the other brother is back home with his dad. And Joseph says, all right. I'll let you buy the food you need to buy, but you got to go and bring that other brother back. Bring Benjamin back, because otherwise you were lying. And I'm going to hold one of your other brothers back, Simeon. I'm going to hold him back as hostage until you can come back. So the brothers go back home. They tell Jacob about the whole thing. And Jacob says, well, I really like Benjamin. He's my favorite, but OK. Take him back. And they go back. And this is interesting. They have a, a, a banquet. It's already weird, right? Well, I just want to buy food, get my brother back and all that. But for some reason, this Egyptian official, Joseph, is having a party for us. And they have this, this big party. And what they don't know is if Joseph has hidden uh, some valuable silverware, a silver chalice, in Benjamin's backpack, so to speak. And they all go to leave. And Joseph sends his guards after the brothers. And they say, one of you has stolen from me. And they search through all their bags. And it's Benjamin. And he says, you have stolen. And now you're my slave. You belong to me now. And he says to the other brothers, you might as well just go home. He's mine now. He's my slave. Well, does this sound familiar? Remember before, the brothers were willing to let one of their own go to slavery in order to make their lives better. So this is the test. But something has changed for the brothers. And that's why all of this had to happen. That's why all of the, the trickery about you guys are spies when he knew that they weren't and the hiding the, the stuff in the sack and all of that stuff, this had to happen so that the brothers could pass the Benjamin test. And they say, we'll not leave our brother behind. We're, we used to do that, <laughs> but we don't do that anymore. 
We don't want him to be your slave. If you've got to take somebody, take me instead. They pass the Benjamin test. In other words, here's the deal. They are ready for forgiveness. They're ready to be forgiven. Joseph, ready to forgive them because he forgot and because he was fruitful. And the brothers, ready to be forgiven because they're not who they used to be. You can't forgive or be forgiven if you're at the same level of consciousness you were when the thing happened. You want to get over it? Change your mind. Change your heart. If you keep operating at that level that holds grudges and is competitive and all of those things, you're never going to get there. But until you can get to the Joseph place, until you can pass the Benjamin test, you're going to stay there. But so they pass the test and Joseph reveals, hey, I was your brother the whole time and I'm okay. And of course, everybody feels bad, but, but Joseph says, think about this with me. Think about all the lives that were saved. And guess what? You guys, go, go get dad. Go get the whole family. Come on back and live in Egypt. The Pharaoh invites all of them to come live in riches, not just security, but luxury. Everything's okay. But the only way that everything is okay is through this crazy journey like Billy from the family circus, a circuitous route to get to where we need to be. And they lived happily ever after and all that. But the message is very clear. The message is that God speaks in a language that we'll hear when we're ready. Your job is just to operate faithfully to find ways to open up instead of to close down, to find ways to get out of the way, to find ways to do what God has given you to do, and you will get the message. You will be put where you need to be put. Don't worry about it so much. That's not your job, and you've got enough to do already. And that's interesting, because in this story, the thing we see about Joseph is that he works. Nowhere is it promised that you won't be given things to do. And don't you want that? Do what God has given to you. Joseph works with God, and he does so authentically. That is his one and only secret to cultivating his readiness. And there's this great quote. It's a little bit after the reading. Um, but uh, Joseph says to his brothers, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Look, I know that there are parts of your life that feel like <laughs> I'm in slavery. I'm in jail. I don't know. I'm in this strange land. Everybody I love has betrayed me. But it might be that you're exactly where you need to be to save lives metaphorically or literally. What we're going to learn is be like Joseph. Be you. The best version of you because the world deserves it. You deserve it. God wants it. Let everything else go, because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you. I want to thank you for all that you do to help keep this ministry going. Thank you for liking and subscribing and sharing. Thank you for sending in your questions and your comments. I love that we have kind of a classroom format going on. This is our primary textbook, so let's keep that feeling alive. And as always, thank you for supporting this ministry with your donations. You can do that by going to donate.waterandstonechurch.com and we're counting on you to do just that. So let's take those gifts of love and substance in our mind and hearts and speak the offertory blessing together. Together. 
God is my source, my unending supply. With this gift, I carry my gratitude into action. God's blessings flow through me and fill my world. I give and I live with radical joy. And so it is. Amen. And as always, no matter where you are, you're not alone because together we pray as a family. Together. God, I'm ready for change. My heart is open. I'm not afraid anymore. My life is in peace and on purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. Now go show the world what love looks like today. I'll see you next week. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.